The Stump of a Cigar by Joseph S. Cotter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Stump of a Cigar. Stump of a cigar as I am, I have a history that is interwoven with that of human beings. When I was in the form of a seed, I was safely housed in a nice glass jar in a large seed store. For some reason or other, I was given the best shelf in the show window. One day a beautiful young lady came into the store and priced me. Why, said the clerk, that is, never mind, said she, what it is. I simply want to know the price. He told her, she paid it, and bore me off gracefully. Ah, said I to myself, I shall never again see the young man who comes every day and stops opposite the show window. One windy day, as he stood in his usual place, a lady's hat came rolling along the pavement. What immediately followed this will be told further on. As I said before, the lady bore me off gracefully. It was night when she entered her well-lighted apartment. She will examine me, thought I, and sniff me, then how I will worship the tears that fall from her eyes. However, I received no such attention as I had anticipated, for the young lady simply placed me in the centre of a large table, sounded a bell, and began to talk as if addressing someone present. You were there, weren't you? You will take me at my word, will you? Let's see. This is how it will go. She then walked to the middle of the floor and acted out a little play that will be given further on. As she finished, she turned to a young woman who was standing in the door and said harshly, What do you want? The bell sounded, replied the young woman. That was not for you, said she. That was for the devil. She threw a glass at the young woman and left the room. Several times during the night I heard her say, That was not for you. It was for the devil. At eight the next morning the servants put breakfast on the table, leaving me still in the middle. At ten minutes past eight my mistress, whom I shall call Ladybug, came into the room and addressed a little speech to me that I did not understand until matters grew much more serious. You could not understand it at this point, so it will not be given now. Five minutes later the young woman who had been chased out of the room the night before came in. For the sake of convenience, I shall call her Butterfly. I was astonished to see Ladybug embrace Butterfly and kiss her twenty times on the forehead. I thought this a bit of amusing comedy. I afterwards found it stern tragedy. They sat opposite each other at the table and remained about thirty minutes. They spent the time talking and smiling. They did not eat in the common acceptation of the term. Ladybug rolled her chicken into nicely rounded balls and tossed them down her throat. Butterfly soaked her chicken and bread in milk and drank the milk. They finished this unusual task together and started to leave the room hand in hand when Ladybug, glancing at the clock, whispered to Butterfly, I must go. It is time for me to test his heroism and devotion. Coming to where I rested, Ladybug picked me up, pressed me closely to her heart, and left the room, carrying me with her. She went straight to a nearby lake and entered a little boat in which sat a lone individual. It was the young man who had stood so often opposite the show window. Ladybug took a seat in the boat, and in silence the young man rowed across the waters. 
Two hours on the lake were we, and no words were spoken. Then rising, still in silence, Ladybug hurled me upon the bosom of the lake. Twenty times I was thrown into the water, and nineteen times rescued by the young man. The twentieth time, it was fate and heroism. Ladybug pressed me closely and began to rock from side to side. This she did twenty times, each time more and more violently. Her great black eyes seemed to burn into his all the while. She then once again tossed me into the water and leapt after me. This was the action of the play she rehearsed out in her room that night when first I came. The young man followed Ladybug in her mad plunge, and at length succeeded in bringing her to their craft. Ten minutes later she was stretched out upon a boat, alive but unconscious. The young man was flesh for the fish, and I was in possession of a countryman. When Ladybug regained consciousness and learned that the young man had been drowned, she said, My lover is free. Hell cannot hold him. Human blood and water have atoned for his crime. This is the little speech she addressed to me the first morning. Then it had been put in the future tense. Twelve months later, a beggar gave Butterfly a hand of tobacco for his supper. While he ate, she rolled the best leaf into me, placed me between her teeth, and left the room. Soon Ladybug entered, sounded a bell as was her nightly custom, and waited. In a few minutes a hideous form entered, smoking me. I am the devil, said the shape. I am his mistress, said Ladybug, and seized the shape by the throat. The beggar whom Ladybug had not seen, and whom Butterfly had forgotten, was present, and tried to separate them. In so doing he caused me to get entangled in the laces worn by the woman, communicating my fire to the flimsy garments. Now the hideous form was Butterfly. Soon the clothing of both was ablaze. When they were darting about the room, the beggar trying to help first one and then the other, both fell across the piano about the same time and began to reach out as if to clamor from the flames. In this way they played as it were their own dirge. When the sound ceased, they were dead. A mystery? Yes. No. On the morning of the wedding day a groom-to-be sailed out upon the lake. Said he to himself, Christian people say that he who provides not for his household is worse than an infidel, and that a millstone had better be placed about his neck and be sunk into the sea. What have I for wife and children? Prosperity has passed me by. Friends are not friends. Fate is my executioner. Three days after this, his body was recovered and buried. The preacher said to the people, Suicide is an unpardonable sin. The young man, therefore, who was of noble birth and parentage, who was chaste in life and honorable in business, is in hell. Ladybug, the dead man's fiancée, believed the rash-judging preacher. She soon lost her reason, then came upon her the hallucinations that wrought the other tragedies. She believed that if her lover's twin brother, the young man of the fatal boat ride, would stand opposite the seed store for twenty days and then perish as described in the boat ride, her lover would be released from hell and returned to her. 
Ladybug, among other hallucinations, believed that the number twenty held potent virtues, hence the twenty days, twenty kisses, and the like. The lover was twenty years old, hence Ladybug's counting by twenties. The twin brother, out of pity, consented to humor her whim, not thinking it would cost him his life. Ladybug passed the seed store every day to see if he was true to his pact. As she passed the twentieth day, her hat blew off. He started to get it, but she said, let it be. Some of my troubles may roll away with it. I will be at the boat tomorrow morning with a charm. Then my lover shall live again. Blood and water shall atone for his crimes. She immediately bought me of the clerk. There was no logic in this part of the affair. She simply thought the first thing her eyes fell upon would serve her purpose. To make sure of her lover's return, she would also practice upon Butterfly, her sister. Butterfly, too, submitted to humor her whim. The embraces and twenty kisses were the beginning of this. Butterfly, of her own accord, had dressed and acted the devil on the fatal night in the hope that the appearance of the devil would act as a countershock and restore Ladybug's reason again. The presence of the beggar was a mere accident. The hand of tobacco out of which I was made was ground from the jar of seed left with the countryman. As I lay upon the floor that dreadful night, and saw Ladybug and Butterfly lying dead across the piano, I said to myself, Stump of a cigar as I am, I have a history. End of the Stump of a Cigar by Joseph S. Cotter This LibriVox recording is in the public domain.